1208. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us on this Thursday, an abbreviated program today. Uh, Brewers Exhibition Baseball kicks off. Kicks off. I'm mixing my sports metaphors. Um, our coverage starts around 1.55 this afternoon, so just a two-hour program today. We start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. All right. Eric Bilstedt, you're still here. You're a Costco guy? Yeah, yeah, I yeah me. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I have to admit, I, I really, I, I wasn't. Um, my, my best friend, big believer in Costco, and I used to go shopping with him every once in a while. And I just walk up and down the liquor department, going, "Wow, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here." And if it they, is quite remarkable. Well, it is, especially you know, they don't always have the stuff I drink, but I'm not that fussy sometimes. So mm-hmm. that that was it. And then my wife is definitely a Costco gal. Okay. She goes there all the time. So now I've I've I'm I've got my own little picture card of Costco. I was there yesterday at Costco. True story. Okay, we've moved into our new house and. We needed a TV for the bedroom. Now I I went to I for we've got TVs all over the house and there are these kind of high end expensive sort of TVs. But I just wanted a basic sort of TV for the bedroom. I didn't feel the desire to drop a lot of money. So yesterday afternoon I go up to Costco and I'm standing in the TV aisle and there's like three guys there and I said these words probably never come out of my mouth. I never thought they would, but. I'm looking for a cheap TV. You know? and, and the guy said, well, we weren't sure what you were going to say exactly. I said, but no, it, it's for the bedroom. You know, it's it's not one of the main TVs that we're going to be watching mm-hmm. stuff. It's just something for the bedroom. Well, how big? I said, well, I don't know. You know, I, you know bigger is always better, right? You know, that kind of stuff. But I, I said, I don't know, 40, 50 inches. And all three of the guys immediately point to this TV that I was standing in front of. They say, this has got a great, at 339 bucks. It's some Roku TV. He said, it for the price point, it's great. 55-inch TV screen. It said it's just great. It's got all it's you know got all the modern bells and whistles. It's three hundred thirty nine bucks. Okay, and I said sold. So I kind of loaded it up, took it out, put it in a cart, set it up. My wife came home from work last night, which is thrilled that we got this. She said most people like on their dressers they have like lamps and things like that. We've got a fifty five inch TV. <laughs> I said, well, that, that's it. But but this was the magic of Costco. You know, and again, I, I didn't competitively shop around, but I mean, because like I say, I, this it was just perfect. I was looking for a cheap TV, and it solved us all, and, and Costco made me happy. Well, Eric, when I was out at Costco yesterday as well, I did not need gasoline, but I was at the one in Grafton, and I, I looked around, and they were selling gas for about $2.36 a gallon. Most of the other places in the area I travel – Two forty-five mm-hmm. or so. So sure. they're they're about a dime cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever buy gas at Costco? I never have, and I don't really have a reason why, other yeah. than I just. But I should. I can. I have well, the card and everything. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 about a dime. It's yeah. about a dime cheaper. Yeah. All right. Now. No, but you're pay, you pay to have a membership. You're right. You pay Costco. to yeah. You pay to have the membership and all that. But I mean, what, once you've paid that, it's it's kind of a sunk cost. I sure. mean, the bottom yeah. line is there. Okay, well that's good. So you're a Costco guy too. All right. Well, all right. This leads us into big story number one. Um, Costco is the source of mo- most the majority of the complaints that are filed by gas other gas stations. In this state, um, the majority of them are filed against Costco for the price they charge for gas. Now, for example, right now at that Costco I was talking about in Grafton, I believe they are selling unleaded regular gasoline for $2.36 a gallon. I checked it about an hour ago. If you were to look at the neighboring gas stations in the immediate area, 
There's a Citgo. There's a BP. There's a Mobile. Um, most of those gas stations are selling gas somewhere between $2.45 a gallon to $2.49 a gallon. So Costco is somewhere between like 9 and $0.13 cents cheaper. Now, again, as Eric just said, you need the card to be able to, to do that. You need to be a member. And candidly, the gas at Costco, I mean, it, it's pretty much a no-frills type of thing. You know, they it, it's not like you pull into a quick trip and they've got all the different amenities if you want to, like, wipe off the car and stuff like that. They, they don't have, you can't walk in and get the cup of coffee and those type of things, um, other than, I guess, you go into the Costco, you know, grocery store. But, I mean, it, it's pretty much, you know, a no-frills type of gas operation, but it it's... 9 to 12 or 13 cents cheaper. Now, what caught my attention is Channel 6 had a story the other day about some of these small gas stations complaining that Costco's gas prices are too low. As we have talked about before, Wisconsin has something they euphemistically call the um, Unfair Sales Act, which is really, it's the minimum markup law. Gas stations are supposed to charge at least 6% more for gas then they paid to get it from the terminal. And the allegations are, well, Costco violates these rules. And if you look at a number of the complaints, they, they don't come from consumers. They come from other gas station operators who try to make the case that if if you don't make Costco and other places charge more for gasoline, what's going to happen is ultimately – these places will run all the other gasoline retailers out of business. Then Costco will jack up the prices, and long-term consumers will be the loser. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you object to the fact that places like Costco and other sort of places, for whatever reason, are in general selling gas a nickel to a dime less than a lot of other stations are doing it. Should it be against the law for Costco to do that? Or if they've decided that this is the way that they can, this is their business model, should the state of Wisconsin care about that? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, to me, is one of the clearest examples of how absolutely ridiculous and anti-consumer this whole minimum markup law is. Candidly, I believe that Costco should have the right to sell gasoline for whatever they want to sell gasoline for. If they want to sell gasoline for below cost, I think they should have the right to do it. If the idea is that's going to get customers in, all right, and that means other retailers are going to have to adapt. I don't buy for one minute this notion that in 2018, in a global economy, if Costco is able to sell gasoline for eight or nine cents less than everybody else, that is going to allow Costco, which only has, for example, a handful of operations in southeastern Wisconsin, to corner the gasoline market so nobody will be able to buy gas anywhere else. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. It's 1216. This is Jeff Wagner. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Big story number one. Um, there's a number or at least a handful of gas station owners around this area who are filing repeated complaints about 
Costco and a couple other large gasoline retailers alleging that they're selling gas below what they should be able to sell it for. The law says you have to charge a 6% markup over um, what you pay when you get it from the terminal. Um, right now at Costco, you can go, and for regular gas, it's about, the one I was looking at in Grafton, it's about a dime less than at other surrounding gas stations, to which I say, okay, who cares? Why Why should the state be telling a business that it has to charge consumers more money for an item like gasoline? And this notion that, oh, gee, if you allow Costco to sell gas for two thirty six a gallon, that's going to drive all these other retailers out of business, and then it's going to be a monopoly position. I just think that's nuts. Jim and Brown Deer. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. I... My point here is is that to force Costco to lower their – to raise, raise their yeah. prices, um, that will never happen. Because to buy gas at Costco, you have to be a member of Costco. So if you take me in as, as an example, I belong to Costco. I pay $100 a year membership fees. If I only buy gas at Costco this year, that's it. That's the only thing I buy. How much does that gas cost per gallon? Well, you have to take the right. number of gallons I buy, divide it by 100, and add that amount to the price of the gas. Maybe gas at Costco isn't even a bargain. I don't know. It's individually determined. Right, because so you're going to have to look at how much other spend. stuff you spend. No, I no, thanks. No, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I just but see this this underscores this whole larger point of why is the government? Why is Wisconsin in the business by law of telling retailers what they should have to charge for particular products? I mean, candidly, if Costco, in my opinion, wanted to sell gas below cost, because they thought, okay, well, maybe we can get people to come into Costco, buy gas, and then, I don't know, that will induce them to buy memberships for, like you say, $100 a year. Or that will induce them to come in and go shop in our liquor department or whatever. Why shouldn't they have the right to do this? You know, we have this conversation with food, you know, every Thanksgiving, where in Wisconsin, you know, we, the retailers, um, they have to charge more for certain food items than they do in Illinois because of these antiquated laws that we have. I mean, to me, and again, I understand in theory, maybe back in 1935 or 1940, where, you know, people had trouble going from community to community, maybe the idea was, well, if you let somebody come in and sell stuff for cost or below, then they're going to get a monopoly position. That's not going to happen now where you have all the different choices that are out there. Now, it might make some retailers have to figure, all right, what can we do? How can we bring people in? But the truth of the matter is Costco's not going to rule the world when it comes to gasoline. Why shouldn't they be able to sell us gasoline for whatever they want to do? Dennis in Sussex. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hey, hi, Jeff. Hi, How Dennis. Are you doing today? Good, good. Um, love, love your show. First Thanks. time caller. Thanks. Um, talk about Costco. My wife and I have Costco uh, membership we have had for quite a few years out here in the Sussex area. Um, we get their gas when we're in the area. I don't mm-hmm. make a special trip up the ways from Sussex, but. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I mean, I, me neither. I mean, I think also, you make an interesting point, Dennis. I'll let you finish. But that, I, yeah. when it comes to gasoline, 
I don't think there's that many people that drive across town to save a few cents a gallon. Now, I think most people fill up, you know, when they get to the point of, of needing gasoline. And then you try to find, okay, what's the cheapest in that particular area? But, I mean, if I happen to be at Costco and I need gas, maybe I'd get it. But otherwise, I'm just going wherever wherever it's closest. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on top of that, uh, we have the Costco-sponsored uh Citibank credit card, right? And they give you percentage back of everything that you, everything you buy, right? And if you use that card at Costco, on top of that, you get another four percent back for every gallon, right? That that adds up. Now, now am I right at Costco? They don't take that. You have to have like the Costco credit card, right? They don't take regular credit cards. Am I right? right. Yeah, right. Just, yes. Because yeah, I, I paid cash. This TV I bought yesterday, I happened to I paid cash for it because I, I right. kind of had that in the back of my mind. My wife has that credit card. I don't. So I just paid cash. But right. So that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. And every, and, and, you know, we've got it to Costco and they never get any interest on us. We pay our bill every month. Right. But in February, and we just got our notification this last week. For our credits back for everything that we spend, and four cents a gallon of gas, and right. cents on this, and whatever, we just got a check for six hundred ninety dollars. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's funny you should. Thanks to it's funny you should mention that because, uh, like I say, my my wife is a big Costco shopper, and she got that same thing back for not quite that em- enough money, but it, it it essentially paid for that TV. Look, and I, I'm not. The purpose of this segment isn't to encourage people to be members at Costco. I don't care about that. But it was it caught my attention as this story, the, these various other retailers whining about Costco and the amount they were selling gasoline for. And to me, this just underscores how fool how foolish it is for the legislature, in my opinion, to have this antiquated law that goes back to the 1930s. It is completely and totally anti-consumer. I have uh, Mike and Fond du Lac sends a text. Jeff, the state has no business telling a private company what to do with their business model. You have to be a member in order to purchase gas. So the lower gas price is either one, a marketing tool to increase membership, or it's a loyalty program to thank their customers for their business. Yeah, that that's, that's the whole thing that's going on in this. But I mean, I, I would extend this. Again, if I'm, if I'm running Jeff's I don't know. Jeff's stop and go. And what I want to do is I do my research and I figure, you know, the majority of people that come into my stop and go, and let's say I've got some gas pumps there, they're, they're buying the gas, but 60 to 75 percent of the people come into my place and buy other stuff as well. You know, they buy milk, they buy candy bars, they buy potato chips, they buy cigarettes, lottery tickets, whatever that might be. And so I say, look, what I want to do is I want to get people through the door. So I'm going to, I'm going to sell gas at cost. I'm going to sell it at my cost, for example, because I know the majority of people are going to come in and they're going to buy something else. So that's how I'm going to make my money because they'll buy milk, they'll buy candy, whatever, where I've got these profit margins. Who is the state of Wisconsin to tell me that I can't do that? 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up, big story number two. This one is just almost unbelievable. State basketball tournament. Well, there's going to be some interesting people playing, including a guy who's looking looking down the at, at years and years in prison. Stick around. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, another Cactus League matinee on tap for you here on WTMJ as the Brewers take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering are live from the desert starting at 2 o'clock this afternoon. We have our winner of our pair of tickets to Insight 2018. Um, it's going to be a great event. It, it really is. And if you've been at Insight before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And this year, I think, is going to be special for a lot of reasons. Um, you can pick up tickets. They're $25 a piece. And I guarantee you, you get your money's worth. Um, go to WTMJ.com. You'll see this icon that we have there that says, you know, Jeff Wagner's Insight 2018. Click on it. I will look forward to seeing you. I try to say hi to almost everybody that comes out to take in that event. Uh, it's March 28th at the Country Springs Hotel. All right. The Wisconsin Boys Basketball Tournament is underway right now. One of the teams that um, people think could go a long way in the tournament is the Washington High School team from around here. Um, one of the star players for um, Washington High School is a guy named Deontay Long. He's a 6'5 junior guard forward who is one of the state's top players. Um, and, you know, he's considered to be a Division One prospect. So why why are we talking about this guy? Well, here's here's what happened. He's not only a Division One prospect, he... There is a decent chance that he's going to have to be suspending his basketball career for a while because in March he is going to he is scheduled to be sentenced in Milwaukee County Circuit Court. The district attorney's office is going to be recommending four years in prison for this guy. Now, he's in front of Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Pedro Colon, so who knows exactly what the sentence is going to be, but here here's what um happened back last june according to the criminal complaint long this is the basketball player was part of a group of five individuals who surrounded a jimmy john's delivery driver in the 2900 block of north newhall in milwaukee and demanded money one of the group displayed a gun that was pointed towards the ground the driver not wanting to die gave the individual money from one of his pockets, which he estimated was 140 bucks, and the group ran away. So the guy is part of this group that is engaged in a strong-arm robbery. It doesn't stop there, though. The complaint says about 90 minutes after the robbery, a woman on the east side of Milwaukee reported an attempted robbery by four males. A few minutes after that, Police responded to a carjacking by four males on the east side. The complaint says that Long admitted to being present for all three incidents. Um, He said, well, it was just a BB gun, and I wasn't carrying the gun, but we were there. Now, Channel 12, which has been all over this, um, they actually, you know, they went out and they found one of the neighbors. Here's the way that Channel 12 reports this. Um, you know, they say that these people who were robbed at gunpoint, apparently uh, police arrested this guy, uh, DeAndre Long, after he and other people had crashed the car that they had taken in the carjacking into a, a building. Uh, Channel 12 quotes one of the witnesses as saying, Carol Kincaid's 80-year-old neighbor was one of the victims in that crime spree. He held up a gun to her head while she was walking her little dog. She's very bent over, very elderly woman. Now, I don't know, again, who it was that had the gun, but this guy is part of that. 
he has now been convicted. And I'm standing here, I'm looking at right now at his um, record um, here for CCAP. And I don't have the juvenile record, but he was charged um, with a felony. And he has, in fact, been convicted of the felony following a plea. Like I say, he's scheduled for sentencing March 28th on the, the felony conviction. Um, all right. So uh, DA's office, again, it's my understanding, is going to be recommending jail time to be followed by supervised release for the, the crime of armed robbery party to a crime. Now, I don't know about you, Gru, who is producing the show today, but I think, I don't know, armed robbery and carjacking, I Maybe I'm just hopelessly old school, but I think that's a pretty darn big deal. All right. He was, again, convicted. I think the plea took place in uh, at the end of January. I think that's when the conviction. So the, the matter has been hanging fire for a while. Um, again, the charges were issued last year, but they've been hanging fire. He He's played basketball while the charges were pending. He has now been convicted, and he is going to be continuing to play for the basketball team. Uh, the head of the WIAA, Dave Anderson, and the WIAA, if you want to talk about, in my opinion at least, a mismanaged group that, that has rules or rules mentality that will suspend people because you ran in the cross-country tournament with a headband, the, to Channel 12, Dave Anderson says, well, um, yeah, we, we, we've discussed including crime in our conduct code, but we have heard no arguments that this needs to happen. And then the reporter says, do you have any concerns that this needs to happen? To which the guy from the WIA says, well, good luck with your story. Ah, we, don't, we don't care about that. So we'll suspend you for vaping, but you get convicted of a felony and apparently the penalty was he misses some of the cross-country season. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is almost unbelievable to me that you can have somebody who is now convicted of being party to a crime of armed robbery, who is looking at a sentencing hearing at the end of now this month, where the district attorney's office is apparently going to be recommending a significant period of incarceration. And this kid is going to be playing in the basketball tournament. You could argue that we want the criminal justice system to proceed, innocent till proven guilty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but now there is a conviction. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is a conviction. And so now, at least according to reports, you're going to have a convicted felon of a crime of violence playing in the boys' basketball tournament. Is, is there something wrong with this picture? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And I want to make sure you understand that this isn't just a situation where the basketball player, the high school player, has been charged with a crime. He was charged with a crime last summer. This incident, this series of incidents, the carjacking, the armed robbery, occurred in June. It has worked its way through the court system. He was convicted 
at the end of January, is looking at sentencing in on March 28th. He has been convicted of a felony that carries up to 25 years in prison. The DA's office is going to be recommending four years in prison and four years of extended supervision, and yet this kid is playing in the WIAA state basketball tournament, and the WIAA says, well, we don't know. We don't, we, you know, we, we have no interest in this. We've thought about maybe including criminal charges or convictions in our code of conduct, but nobody really cares. How nuts is that? How nuts is that? Let's start with Tony in Oconomowoc. Tony, you're first. Hello. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Hey, my thought on this is what an embarrassment. Where, I mean, besides the WIAA, where is the coach of Washington yeah. and his morals? Why wouldn't he suspend the kid to say, you know what, this isn't uh, becoming of our team and you have just forfeited your season now because of this? Well, I wonder now, and, and see, apparently he was the kid was suspended for a portion of the cross-country season, served that, and, and they say that's the only punishment. But yeah, it, it is kind of an interesting point. You wonder if he wasn't a 6'5", you know, all-star guard, Division One prospect. You wonder if it was just like me when I played basketball. Yeah. Maybe they take yeah. a different approach to this you wonder exactly and you know and i hate to say it but i know like out in suburban country the kids get suspended for every minor little thing i can guarantee you if one of our kids had this there is no way they would be playing and to go even farther if i was the other teams in the tournament i would Try to make sure to get this kid off, or I, I wouldn't let my kids play. Well, thanks. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's 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 kind of punishing, you know, the the other teams. But I mean, I just you know, he's now a convicted felon. He's a convicted felon, and he's playing in the basketball tournament in the WIAA Washington High School. Nobody seems to care about this. It's like, well, you know, we yeah, we considered crimes, but really, but, but we we didn't want to add that, huh? I mean, what? What do you have to do to get tossed off of a basketball team if you're a star now? What if this wasn't armed robbery, felony, you know, party to a crime of armed robbery? What if this was, I don't know, sexual assault? What if this was murder? I don't know. What, is there anything that you now do that could get you, you know, tossed off the team? John in Milwaukee. John, you're on WTMJ. Um, yes, I just want to bring up a point. Um, I'm only in my 50s, and I was on a swim team in Milwaukee in a public school, and I was removed from the swim team for smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so think of where we've gone in this few 40 years of, uh, <laughs> yeah. right. of where we're at now. Well, it, and, it, yeah, exactly. Well, you get taught. I mean, you, you, you get suspended for drinking beer. You get, I mean, that's, that's all fine. Or, or smoking cigarettes or, you know, being at, you, you can get suspended nowadays for being at a party where beer is being served and you don't drink it, you, even if you're at that party. But I, I guess felony armed robbery here, no problem at all. Looking at 25 years in prison at the end of March in a sentencing, no problem at all. Here, go on out and play. Well, the other interesting point is, I believe a convicted felon can't be a coach for a basketball team. So why would a player be able to be I, a player? I, I, yeah, I mean, right? I, I, thanks for calling. I mean, I just, you know, you just, you know, you, you just, there, there's just so much wrong with with this. I mean, I, I wonder, and I guess this is maybe it's a question to address to MPS. I, I mean, I wonder how many students who are, you know, charged with 
armed, with charged with what I consider to be serious felonies, you know, party to a crime of, of armed robbery. Again, we're, we're not talking somebody that went out and, you know, was throwing toilet paper in somebody's house. We're, we're talking about somebody involved in a carjacking. And like I say, the DA's office, for whatever reason, made a decision to charge this young man as an adult. I don't have access. I don't know whether there's a juvenile record as well. Don't know one way or the other. I, I do know that, that he's convicted of what I consider to be an incredibly serious felony, and nobody, whether it's at Washington High School or whether it's at the WIAA, seems to think that there's any problem with this. Let's talk to Michael in Bayside. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. I was a teacher at MPS for two years, and I was there when a student was found to have a little toy gun. It would like fit on a keychain. It was very small. <clears throat> he was a third grader. Right. He was suspended for three days. This is a convicted felon of an armed robbery or party right. armed robbery. Right. Where is Mayor Barrett? Where is Darian Driver? Where are these people that want uh, tougher gun laws, tougher gun laws, tougher gun laws? This man is party to an armed crime, and he's representing the city in the state tournament. It is outrageous. I'll go one further. I bet if somebody else had posted something, uh, something on social media in support of Trump or against Black Lives Matter, that would get them off the team a heck of a lot quicker than this, because I can show this doesn't get you off the team. Well, it does. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you know, and 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 I mean, what what they'll say is, well, there's no rule. Criminal convictions apparently aren't included in any sort of code of conduct. You know, he he was he was charged with this, and so it was a suspension. It was treated as an, a rule violation. He got to serve. I don't know a suspension uh, during the cross country season, but no, we don't. We don't care with basketball. And again, see, this is wh- where I'm focusing now on. It's not just the charge. I understand you can make an argument innocent till proven guilty. This, you know, so let, let's let this hang fire. But he has now been convicted. He is looking at 25 years in prison. Again, this is Milwaukee County, so who knows what the ultimate sentence is going to be. But at the same time, he, he now stands as a convicted felon, and the WIAA has no rules preventing him from participating. Let's talk to Deb in West Bend. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. First of all, you're not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Because this is crazy, right? <laughs> this is totally crazy. When I was watching the news last night, I could not believe this. It, like, went through my mind. I thought, what the, you know what is going on? And it, it seems like we're turning our heads it's this way and that way, avoiding things when, when we should be focusing on the problem. This kid, this is a privilege, first of all, that's playing the basketball team. But you're, you're right. He's convicted. Right. What do you, what, what, what does it take like, is it for you to, um, you know, shoot somebody and then, oh, that's so fine and dandy. And this is, it's like you're, you're turning your head. I don't understand where the judge is at, but you're a lawyer, but I don't understand. Well, I mean, the judge, I mean, he's, I mean, I mean, thanks to call Deb. I mean, I mean, at this point in time, now Pedro Colon is not one of the, not known for being a particularly tough sentencer, but the, this particular case, it's, it's not him. I mean, the, the kid, the kid, the process, it's taken this long to work its way through the court system, and that's fine. But now, 
Now he's been convicted. I mean, keep in mind, there's a lot of people that once they are convicted, at which point in time the presumption of innocence goes away, once you're convicted of a what I consider to be a serious offense, this is a, a crime related to firearm violence. Now, his story is, well, it, it was just it was just a BB gun or something like that. But, okay, you're, you're talking about armed robbery. You're talking about carjacking. I don't know. That's a pretty big deal. And what's even more aggravating about this is the WIAA doesn't care. Well, we thought about maybe putting some, you know, convicted crime thing. What what would it take if armed robbery isn't enough to get you, I don't know, thrown out of high school sports? Like I say, rape, murder, is there anything that the WIAA would care about? And I guess no. Here, uh, we have text. My daughter plays for the Wasaki Rangers. They are in the tournament right now as well. Sectionals tonight. If my play, if my daughter misses a practice, um, they don't play, let alone commit a crime. I just, you know, and again, this is this is the WIAA, and if you're a regular listener to this program, you know I have railed on them for years because this is the same rules or rules obsessed organization that will, you know, some kid runs with the wrong color headband, you know, in a cross country tournament or things along those lines, and and what they'll do is they'll seek to you know kick those kids off, but they don't think that they need to have a criminal conviction, felony conviction rule, huh? Interesting. It's 12.55. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. Brewers baseball, about 50 minutes from now. Um, our exhibition baseball game coverage uh, continues uh, leading up to opening day. This year, the Brewers open in San Diego. It's on a Thursday, March 29th. The Lords of Baseball, if I had an opportunity to talk to the people that make the schedule. All right. You, you have... Right, the Brewers who play in a cold weather city but have this thing that's like enclosed roof, you know, so it's weather controlled. Um, unlike places like Minnesota or Detroit or Cleveland or all these other places where it's really, really cold, why you have the Brewers who play under a dome opening in San Diego where it's warm weather is absolutely beyond me. You would think that, I don't know, one of the cold weather teams would go to San Diego, but that's, that's just me. Baseball apparent. Baseball apparently knows better. All right, big story number three. We, we've now established that you can be a convicted felon and still play for your high school basketball team in Milwaukee. But, 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 if you want to go with your kid on a Boy Scout camping trip, be prepared for background checks. Here's the story. I'm a huge fan of Boy Scouts. I think everybody knows that. If you're a regular listener, I do these events um, this was the first year because I was on vacation last week. This was the first year in like 15 years that I, I missed the annual Boy Scout Eagle Scout Award ceremony out in Waukesha. But Boy Scouts has announced that uh, beginning this summer, they are starting planning a new requirement. Here's the deal. Every adult must undergo a background check and youth protection training before participating in any scouting activity that runs for more than 72 hours. So right now they require background checks and training for the adult volunteers like troop leaders. But this means that any adult that is going to accompany a a scout troop on a camping trip, that's going to be 72 hours or more. So for example, dad, or mom, 
you know, your kid is going to be going on a weekend scouting, a weekend trip with the scouts, and you're going to be going along as a chaperone, you will now be required to go through this training course, which is only a couple hours, but also you're going to have a background check. So even if you're a parent, you now have to go through this background check if you're going to be going on an event that lasts more than 72 hours. Let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess my question is, is this, is it an overreaction to apply this rule to the parents who are going to be accompanying their children? Now, I understand that some schools before they will now let you go in and, and even serve as a classroom volunteer monitor or be the, you know, the volunteer lunch lady or lunch guy. You know, you have to go through this. But now the scouts are saying, all right, even if it's your own child, you have to go through this background check. Presumably, if you do have a criminal history, I don't know, like maybe being party to an armed robbery when you were in high school. Presumably, you will not be allowed to to go. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess one of the things that's getting all the attention about this is it's one thing for the, the troop leaders, you know, who are going to be responsible for other people's kids. But does it go too far, and will this make it difficult to get chaperones, to get the volunteers where it's, hey, you know, I, I'm the scoutmaster. I've got the assistant scoutmaster. You know, we're taking 20-some kids on a trip. We need some parents to volunteer to come with us. Will it make it more difficult for that to happen? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. And I know a lot of you have been involved in scouting for a number of years. Is this an unnecessary requirement to extend this background check rule to parents? Or is the idea better safe than sorry? But again, my question is, what happens then if you've got a parent who's got a 10-year-old felony or a 20-year-old felony? Does that mean that they shouldn't be able to accompany the kid? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 113, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Um, the Bucks are in the thick of the Eastern Conference playoff race. Are you confident in them as a playoff team? Our very own Greg Matzik isn't there just yet. He'll explain why tonight on Sports Central at 735. Um, give you an update from the world of sports. This is the start of the Big Ten basketball tournament in Madison Square Garden. The Badgers, um, who did not have a, a very good season, candidly, um, but they just beat Maryland in the first round. They beat them 59-54. They will be playing uh, Michigan State, which is the number one seed tomorrow. But you know, whatever happens tomorrow, give them credit. They ended up winning today. 414-799-1620. The Boy Scouts have just changed their policy. If you want to go on a Boy Scout camping trip, any activity that will last 72 hours or more, and you want to volunteer, you even if, it, even if it's your kid, you now have to go through a background check. Is this overkill? Larry in West Bend. Larry, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Larry. I was telling your screener that uh, the Catholic Archdiocese here in Milwaukee has been doing this same, same thing for many years. Uh, for any of the Catholic schools, if you want to chaperone a field trip, they will require that you take part in a screening like that and, and a class, and, and they make sure that anybody that's involved with the kids uh, passes muster. So, 
Has it hurt participation? No, I, I don't think it has. I, I think there's plenty of, of people that can pass the, the background check and all that that are happy to, to do so, to, to be involved with their kids. And I think from whether it's the Archdiocese or the Boy Scouts, it's protecting them, not just it's protecting the kids, but it's protecting the organization. Because if there had been something that happened and you hadn't done a background check, I would think you're leaving yourself up to uh, open to liability to say, my God, you had this convicted sex offender taking part in a field trip with kids. What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. What about, where do you draw the line? Let's say that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I've got a, a felony conviction for armed robbery, something or, or whatever, you know, put on probation or did a year in prison. That's 20 years ago. That turns up. Do you think that person should be allowed to act as a chaperone? A felony conviction, yep. uh, I would say that that's probably not going to pass the test. Okay. All right. Good enough. Thanks. You got, I mean, that, that's where, I mean, I guess that's what the issue becomes. And see, here, here's where you. I think you end up having the balancing test. My guess is that, again, for organizations, whether it's Boy Scouts or you know, any of these outside organizations where, I, I mean, I don't know how much trouble they have finding adult volunteers in the first place who are willing to say, okay, I'm going to give up three or four days. I, I'm not the scout leader, but I'm going to give up three or four days, and, and I'm going to go and I'll act as the chaperone. I wonder how many people they have doing that now and how much trouble they have and how much trouble that they're they're going to have. Got a couple notes to that point. Getting parent support can be difficult as is. Somebody makes the point, too deep leadership is the key to keeping kids safe, which means, I, I guess, I think the reference is, you know, you need, you know, that the scout leaders clearly have to have the background checks and the training, um, which, you know, might be the difference here. Bottom line is, I think that this is going to, I think this is going to end up making it much more difficult to get volunteers. But at the same time, as Larry was just saying, I think this is a product of our times. And I, I guess even when it comes to parents, I mean, I, I say I know people out there who are parents of school age children who are asked to go not, not forget 72 hours. You know, they're asked to, hey, we're we're taking the kids on a field trip. You know, we're taking them to the museum or whatever. We need parent volunteers. And I know there's a lot of places where the parents have to undergo the background check to determine whether they're suitable to go or not. And sometimes it results in some unfairness because, again, you have the parent who says, all right, I got convicted of check kiting, you know, 20 years ago. Um, is that does that mean I, I shouldn't be able to take, you know, my kids um, or be on the bus when we go to the museum or whatever? And, and there are some of these harsh results. So I think it's going to be interesting how this is applied and what ends up being disqualifying when it comes from when it comes to saying you can't go with your own kid on one of these field trips. But the idea of the background check, candidly, I, I think this is where we are in 2018. And I think the Boy Scouts are probably, probably doing the right thing. When we come back, all right, if you're working for a really bad boss, is it time, do you reach a point where you finally just say enough is enough? And has the Attorney General of the United States reached that point? Stick around. 121, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
123, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We all know the dangers of lead in our water. You might be stunned by exactly what it does to a young child. John and Melissa have the details. That's after Brewers Baseball on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Also, special shout-out to my friend John McCure and to all, all of you who helped make our fundraising effort for uh, Vietnam War veterans to fly on an honor flight. Um, it was just an incredible success yesterday afternoon. And uh, very special thank you to everybody who ended up participating in that if you are following your investments and you are wondering what the you know what is going on um well i'll try to give you a little bit of insight right now the dow jones industrial average which at one point today was up about 150 points it is now again in a free fall it's down 485 points that's a 1.94% drop the nasdaq is down 123 points which is a 1.7% drop and you might be saying okay what 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 happened why is this and it is because of president trump and 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 again his penchant for just going off the record and speaking off the cuff. What what's going on is apparently President Trump earlier today decided to just start babbling off the cuff and announce that next week he's planning on implementing tariffs on steel and aluminum. Um, and, and this apparently was not necessarily a planned thing a- at all. It wasn't part of speech. He just decided he's making these remarks. So he says, all right, I'm, I've decided uh, next week I'm going to implement tariffs of 25% for steel and 10% for aluminum. He says, so steel and aluminum, we'll see a lot of good things happening. We're going to have new jobs popping up. Um, this is after a meeting, a listening session with representatives from the steel and aluminum industry. Well, okay, the, the, what he's trying to say is we think that, okay, some of our low American businesses have been subject to unfair competition, and we're trying to level the playing field. Uh, okay, fine. But when you do this in the way he did it, just, again, this sort of spontaneous kind of, ah, gee, these are the last people I talked to. This is what I'm going to do. What's happened is you have spooked the stock market, and a lot of investors are afraid that what this is going to do is lead to a trade war as far as, you know, escalating tensions with China and other trading partners. And the concern is that, all right, the U.S. can say, we're going to impose these tariffs on steel and aluminum, and and that's great. That's going to encourage people to, uh, again, buy American. Well, the problem is, you know, what happens if in retaliation for this, other companies start imposing tariffs on American exports. So you, you do end up with these winners and losers type of thing. Now, look, I when it comes to trade policy, I, I, I leave that up to people who are smarter than me. But here's what the frustrating thing is about what happened today. And I understand that there are some people who think that President Trump can do nothing wrong, and there's other people who think that he can do nothing right. But when you announce this type of program, it is a big deal. Announcing tariffs like this is a big deal. It needs to be well thought out. And, and maybe this is well thought out, but it needs to be presented. It needs to be explained. And I think it deserves more than just, again, erping this out following this meeting 
with no warning, no forethought, no notice, and now all of a sudden you've got, again, the stock market a complete free fall because you've got investors concerned that, okay, this, this really is the start of, of a trade war that might, and I say might, you know, decimate at least certain businesses. Yeah, it provides you a little bit of protection um, if you're worried about the competition of foreign imports. But if you're a company, an American company that is an exporter, now you're worried, hey, what's China going to do? What are these other people going to do? And again, I, I maybe this is ultimately at the end of the day the right thing to do, but it is a big deal, and it would have been nice if the president, I don't know, would have announce the policy perhaps in a, I don't know, a, a detailed sort of fashion explaining exactly how it's going to work instead of just, well, I've met with the steel and aluminum representatives and here we're going to get lots of jobs in America and we're going to impose these tariffs. Um, you've seen the effect right now, which is a massive drop in the stock market. Again, maybe it's more style than substance, but style does in fact matter, which leads me to the next topic I want to discuss with you. I have been very fortunate in my life to have, in general, worked for really good bosses. Almost every place I have been, I've had really good bosses. There's a couple exceptions to that. Um, and in general, when I had the really crummy bosses, I just recognized that, okay, fine, time for me to find something else to do. So I, I don't have an experience working with really bad bosses. I've also had an experience that the people that I have worked for have, regardless of what my career has been, have been incredibly supportive, encouraging, and yeah, I'll use the word nurturing, trying to help you become the best person that you are. I, I've never worked for that boss from you know where who's decided that the, the way that you accomplish things is to belittle employees. And, and I know that there's bosses out there. I just haven't had that experience. And I've certainly never worked with the boss that decides that, that he is going to publicly belittle you. I just don't think that's the way most, I don't think most people respond well to that. The question is, what will the Attorney General of the United States take from that type of boss? 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Brewers Baseball, coming up in about 20 minutes or so. All right, Jeff Sessions is the Attorney General of the United States. I actually... I met him years and years ago. He, when I worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Milwaukee in the 80s, he was the U.S. the U.S. Attorney for um, for one of the districts in Alabama, and you know he he went on to have a lengthy career as a uh, as a senator, very very well respected. He was one of the earliest supporters of President Trump, and he was tabbed to be the Attorney General. Ever since he took over as the Attorney General, there's been almost this kind of Shakespearean thing going on between him and President Trump. The Here's the thing. and the, An Attorney General works for, I mean, serves the pleasure of the President. It's an appointment by the President, confirmed by the Senate. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to head the Department of Justice, you have independent responsibilities as well. You, you don't, you just can't blindly follow the, the president. 
you know, you can obviously you take direction from the president as to what the president's priorities are going to be. For example, you know, back in, in the 80s when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, that was, that was the start of the war on drugs. You know, President Reagan and then the first President Bush. So that's where that was a matter of emphasis. Bill Clinton had a different sort of emphasis. Barack Obama had a different point of emphasis. But the bottom line is the law is the law. And while the president can say, okay, this is where I'd like you to concentrate resources, uh, the attorney general is independent in that you, you don't, you, you, you call them like you see them. President Trump and attorney general Sessions got off to a bad start when, um, the attorney general who was in some of these meetings about Russia, you know, early on, decided that he thought he needed to recuse himself, step down because there might be a conflict of interest. So he, you know, ultimately caused the appointment of this special counsel, Robert Mueller. And ever since then, President Trump has been extremely unhappy. He wanted this matter done by the Department of Justice, presumably where he could have more control of it. So he's been sniping and saying some really nasty things about Jeff Sessions ever since then. Um, in my opinion, wherever this, this special counsel leads, uh, the attorney general did absolutely the right thing by saying, look, I've got a conflict here. You know, we need somebody outside to look at this. So that's irritated President Trump, and, and he's made some very, very hostile and critical public remarks about Jeff Sessions. Now, it's kind of dangerous for President Trump because, again, Jeff Sessions is very, very well-respected in the U.S. Senate. He was a senator himself for a long time. So th- this idea that you've got the president who's you know ripping on him, is, it's not been met well. In general, though, Sessions has suffered in silence. Well, all right, the, the latest development over the last couple of days is that um, President Trump, again, took to Twitter calling Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, disgraceful. Apparently, um, you know, what happened here is that the, the president wants the Justice Department to investigate whether or not there's, you know, any criminal involvement with these, these various leaks of um, the the transcripts and the investigations and the wiretap stuff in connection with the things that led to the old Russia investigation, the president wants that investigated. And so the attorney general has said, well, here here's, here's the process we're going to use. We're going to kick this over to the inspector general. That's, that's how they, they handle it. This is the process. Inspector general is going to look at this. They'll do a report, and then we go from there. The president is very unhappy with this. He doesn't want the inspector general doing this. He wants this to be uh, a focus of the criminal division of the Department of Justice, whatever. And the attorney general is like, no, this is, you know, we have these rules we follow. This is the type of thing. You give it to the inspector general. They're the ones that do the investigation. And President Trump, again, takes to Twitter to just, you know, just rip him. You know, talking about how this is disgraceful for doing this. This time, instead of suffering in silence, the attorney general has fought back, and the attorney general is kind of saying, "Look, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm following the, the protocols. I'm doing, you know, what I am supposed to do." Um, he says, "You know, we have initiated the appropriate process that will ensure complaints against this department will be fully uh, and acted upon fairly." 
if necessary. As long as I am the Attorney General, I will continue to discharge my duties with integrity and honor, and this department will continue to do its work in a fair and impartial manner according to the law and the Constitution. But he's got the president who appointed him calling him disgraceful. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I said this after the last brouhaha. I say it again. If I were Jeff Sessions and I saw the President of the United States putting out on Twitter that he felt that I was disgraceful, that is the point in time where I simply write out the letter that I probably had sitting in my desk for a while saying, Mr. President, it is apparent that you have lost confidence in my ability to do this job. Thank you, but I'm going back to Alabama. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think... I think Jeff Sessions should resign, if nothing else, because I don't think he should have to put up with these type of these type of criticisms. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And candidly, I'm surprised he hasn't turned in his letter of resignation. Now I would have. It's one forty three. This is Jeff Wagner. One forty six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I guess my point here is, if I were the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, I wouldn't put up with it. I, I just. I mean, I, maybe you've had an opportunity to work for abusive bosses, and maybe this is just Donald Trump's style. But, I mean, if I was the Attorney General of the United States, having the President of the United States sending out tweets saying that I was disgraceful, at that point in time, it's finally enough is enough. I'm going back to Alabama. Figure out, you know, find somebody who you think can do the job better. Dennis in West Dallas. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks, Jeff, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I agree with you, and I disagree with you at the same time. I, I agree with you that uh, Mr. Sessions shouldn't have to put up with this nonsense from the president. He's, he's, it's well, it's unprecedented. I mean, but, it, it but, is unprecedented. I mean, I, I worked yeah. in the Department of Justice under Ray. I can't right. remember an example of, an, of a president publicly ripping on his appointee like this on a constant right, basis. Right. But on the other side of the coin, Jeff, though, Mr. Sessions took the job. I, I would like to think because he felt he could make a difference. Right. But he thought he, he, could, he could do something, you know, that would, that would make a difference. And, and I believe that as long as he believes that himself, he's going to stay. Yeah. As long as, you know, the, the president doesn't actually cut the legs out from underneath him, you know, as long as he's able to make a difference, which is why he took the job, uh, he's showing great character, something that obviously Mr. Trump is lacking in this so, situation. So, Dennis, you're saying that Jeff, Jeff Sessions, you're, you're saying that Jeff Sessions is a better person than me because I don't well, think I could take it publicly. <laughs> well, but you know, he's certainly a candidate for profiles and courage. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. No, thanks. I mean, I, I just again, it, it's just like, and I understand that that President Trump is unlike any president we've had. It's just this is unprecedented to have this type of this type of language and these type of attacks used against your own. A pointy. We're kind of up against the clock. I'm sorry. I wish we had more time to take more calls. It's 148. This is Jeff Wagner. 151. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. I have the text to end the show off. Jeff, you need to get on board the Trump train or be left behind. You are becoming a lefty. Trust me, I am not becoming a, a lefty. At, at the same time, you know, we, we are a country of laws, not men. And... For the attorney, and maybe I'm just really sensitive to this because my background is as a federal prosecutor back in another life. I, I appreciate that, you know, we we don't we don't have we don't have emperors. 
who just, you know, dictate what laws you follow, what laws you don't. And that was one of the criticisms I had the Obama administration. I, I think President Obama acted more like a king from time to time than a, a president. My only point is, if I'm the Attorney General of the United States, I mean, here's here's the reality. Yes, I serve at the pleasure of the president, but I also I have an obligation. I'm sworn to follow the law. And simply because the president doesn't like some of my decisions, I don't think it's appropriate for the president to decide that he's going to, again, publicly rip me. He has every right to have whatever whoever he wants in office as the attorney general. I don't know, though, where that's ultimately going to go. And if Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions leaves, I don't know who he's going to be able to find that's going to confirm, be able to confirm him. I'm sorry, what? Okay, so my producer, Gru, is now telling me that I don't have to break at 52. I have a couple more minutes. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Um, all right, we've got Brewers baseball coming up for a couple minutes. They were actually telling me, oh, you got to be out. you got to be out by 52. No, so we have a couple more minutes. All right, that's great. Give me some more time to finish my thought. I, I just, it is not a situation where the president gets to have whoever he wants in his appointments. That, that's, that's his right. I just don't believe the best way to manage people, whether you're the president of the United States or whether you're a general manager at a radio station or whether you're a sales manager, you know, in a clothing store. I don't believe the best way to manage people is by intimidation and trying to publicly humiliate your employees, especially at the highest levels of government where you have people who are, uh, again, um, in situations where, you know, they're very accomplished. I mean, here you have somebody, you know, Jeff Sessions has had an incredibly successful and distinguished career. And, and taking to Twitter to call one of your appointments and one of your earliest supporters, you know, despicable, to me, just doesn't accomplish anything. And, you know, can you expect the president to change? No, I understand that's his temperament. But if you look at what's been going on and the incredible turnover, and th- this comes from a perspective of somebody who wants to see the president succeed very much. I want to see the president succeed. But you look at this revolving door, and I, I think a lot of it is because of the management style of the president where people, you know, come into these environment and they just find it to be an untenable type of situation. And I guess, you know, you, you saw this yesterday where, you know, one of his closest advisors, Hope Hicks, announces that she's resigning. Now, who knows exactly, you know, what went on there. Part of the story was that this was something that she had planned for a while, but it comes immediately after she gives testimony where she acknowledges that apparently on occasion she will tell white lies for the president. And the story that's out there now is that he just ripped into her, into her and berated her for this. And so I think she finally comes to this conclusion that says that, you know, life is too short. So, no, I'm, I'm not becoming a lefty at all. I'm simply saying that, uh, well, here's another text. President Trump demands blind loyalty from his underlings, but he never returns the favor. That's that's kind of it. I'm just saying this is not the way you manage especially talented, high-achieving people, and you're seeing that with this incredible turnover. Okay, before I completely run out of time, I did want to just make one other observation. Uh, yesterday, the jury in the Devin Kramer case, she was the Brown Deer police officer who ended up um, being charged 
in connection with the shooting of an unarmed man. The guy was, I think, clearly resisting arrest. They were flagged down to go track him down off a bus. Um, there was a struggle. She was charged with a, a felony of, you know, assault, endangering safety, etc. I said at the start of the trial that, in my opinion, there was no way that you were going to be able to convince a jury of 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that she was guilty of a crime. That prediction turned out to be correct because yesterday, after a two-week trial and um, a day and a half of intense deliberations, the jury announced that it wasn't able to reach a verdict in that case. You know, no surprise. If there's any surprise at all, it's that the jury didn't come out and, and acquit. But regardless, jury couldn't reach a verdict. What that means is a mistrial was declared. That means that John Chisholm and the district attorney's office can decide whether to retry this woman again. Now, here, this is the same district attorney's office that spent tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars on, uh, again, this John Doe investigation. Um, and, you know, who knows? And we knew we know where that went. In my opinion, to retry Devin Kramer would be a gross abuse of prosecutorial discretion. John Chisholm hasn't announced what he's going to do. You can never necessarily count on John Chisholm to do the right thing, but this would be appalling. All right, Brewers baseball is coming up. I am back 12 noon tomorrow. We've got a special Friday show, lots of great stuff. Stick around. Brewers baseball coming up. Bob Euchre, Jeff Levering. I'm Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.